on today's show we'll break down the Leafs loss to the Bruins and how close was Toronto to landing Nikita Zadorov apparently closer than we think we'll chat about all that more on today's edition of the Locked On Leafs podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network it's your team every day your Locked On Maple Leafs your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day Hello and welcome into the Locked On Leafs podcast, a daily Maple Leafs centric podcast hosted by myself, Mike DiStefano, and my co-host, Dave Morissuti. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use the promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Sleep it. Uh, terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. What's going on, Dave? Happy Monday to everybody. Uh, Leafs coming off a loss to the Boston Bruins, 4-3 in overtime. They got themselves to overtime for, what was it, like a fifth, sixth straight game? Like, it's it's insane how many times this team is going past regulation these days. Uh, but they're picking up points, and they picked up the pity point. But they don't all come in, they come in different shapes and sizes, I think we could say, Dave. And this pity point, I think, is one that's definitely deserving of Toronto and their performance Saturday night. I I do think so. Like in the group chat, uh I one of our Discord members was just like, This is the one time I'm really, really wishing for an overtime. And yeah. Hopefully they got it because it, it, that's that goal entertaining overtime too. Like I know it ended poorly with Pasternak and uh, you know That's Willie fine. takes it uh, you know and it it ended poorly obviously but it was entertaining very very entertaining overtime it was very entertaining overtime and like when when Boston got that second goal and the way they got the goal too was so deflating you're just like are they going to be able to recover from this and then Domi gets that goal and like just the energy that right and just like that desire so you know i don't care if this game goes to goes over time like that that's kind of the feeling i had right like you know it's a good team you're going up against in boston right this isn't you're going to overtime against seattle or minnesota like this is a good team you'll be fortunate yeah you're giving the bruins a, a point if you do end up somehow winning the game but you'll take going that game going to overtime uh you know such a such a close game too so you're you're happy you get the point, but you're not happy with how you lost the second point. Yeah, obviously. Like, I, you know, you wish Nylander didn't take a tumble there in overtime and pretty much give the Boston Bruins like a, a 2 on 0 on the goaltender. And, hey, you know, he made the first stop, right? Like, that was, that was a good play. You know, Joseph Wall, I thought, was good again in this game. And, you know, it's his third start in a row. So he's starting to you know, pick up some starts here, maybe starting to gain a little bit of confidence and also get into a groove. We had talked about that earlier in the week, how he felt that the teams need to kind of pick a goalie. Now, Ilya Samsonov was sick, so was unable to play regardless, even if they wanted to go Samsonov. He didn't even dress. They, they had to call up Martin Jones last second to back him up. But, you know, I, I, I think now you probably go back to him again on Thursday. Like, there's a long stretch for him to rest up, but... 
hey, he's the better goalie right now. Absolutely. I think, you know, he deserves to, to, to you know, they should ride the hot hand and he's deserving of being ridden like that. So I, I think Joseph Wall, despite dropping the game um, and giving up four goals, I, I still think that he should remain in the net when, uh, you know, the team plays again on Thursday. I do too. Like you can, I was, I was on actually the offside hockey talk podcast. And I, I kind of said like, you need the goalie to get into a rhythm. Mm-hmm. We also need to see how Joseph wall rebounds from a loss, even though it wasn't his fault for the loss, right? Like he was, you shouldn't be blaming Joseph wall for how that game ended. You want to see how he bounces back from a loss. Cause that, that to me signifies a true strength of a goalie is not just how they are in their wins, but how they are after their losses. And again, you ride the guy who you you have to show just wool that you know what he's the reason why you've been so competitive. Like all these overtime games, yeah, one of them was was Samsonov in and the Chicago one as well. Joseph Wall has made this team way more competitive, in my opinion. Right? Like, yeah. in my opinion, this blue line. A lot of people are saying, "Oh, the blue line hasn't been too bad." Eh, Joseph Wall has has helped out. A little bit in that regard, in my opinion, right? Like he hasn't had an easy game, right? There hasn't been a game where he hasn't faced tough, a lot, no, little to no chances, or he's faced little to no high danger chances. Like he's had to be sharp for this team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's definitely when you look at you know goals saved below, you know above expected. Like he's you know up near the top of the NHL when you look at it on on a per sixty basis. I'm sure if you look at you know goalie point shares, he's also somewhat up there. Uh, you know, if he were to have played an, enough games, but you know, obviously when you only play half the games, you don't necessarily get the opportunity to 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 you know pick up those point shares, but. Yeah, like he's he's been big, and he came up big again uh, for the Maple Leafs. And uh, that third goal, you want back. You know, he thought he had it. Obviously, didn't, and they were able to kind of stuff it into the back of the net. Luckily, the Leafs did respond and tie the game late. Uh, Austin Matthews, um, uh, he breaks out big against the Boston Bruins, and I kind of had an inkling. Like when I, I write for for covers dot com now, before every game, I do a little bit of uh, a a betting write up for my best bets and and mine was an anytime goal from Austin Matthews because he dominates against the Boston Bruins. He wakes up for this matchup. He has goals in six of the last seven games, now seven of eight. He's got nine goals in his last seven games against the Boston Bruins. So I thought this would be a good get right game for him. And uh, it turns out that I was right. He, you know, opened the scoring, tied the game for the Maple Leafs late as well. Um, It was really good to see Austin Matthews bust out of a slump in this one. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was – this is the Austin Matthews we need to see, right? Yeah. Um, the goals he scored, positioning, right, being in the right place and that right side of the of the, of the the zone. He likes scoring from that spot. And, it, and for, for Matthews, it's not doing too much. Like, he's not a player that needs to, you know – have a fancy move to score. He can score the dirty, like the, the greasy goals. And the first one, the first one he scored was like right in the paint, right, right place, right time, Johnny on the spot. But then the one in, you know, at the end of regulation to tie it, he was kind of hovering around in the, you know, face off circle where he likes to, to sit there. Yeah. It's it's like the opposite of, of Stamkos. Like Stamkos scored from a lot on the left side. 
Austin likes to score a lot from the right side there. And, uh, you know, the, he gets a, a loose puck or, uh, I think Marner may pass it to him, but yeah, however that he, sequence went, someone Marner Tavares passed it to him. Yeah. And he ends up, uh, getting enough of it to get by with like four seconds left in the game to bring it to overtime. Uh, but yeah, he was fantastic, man. You, you even look at the underlying numbers, like 83% expected goals, uh, for him when he was out there on the ice at five on five for Toronto, they outchanced the Bruins 17 to four when he was out on the ice, nine to one in high danger chances as well. I will note this though. I, I, he was in the offensive end pretty much the entire night. A reason for it, 92% ozone starts, only one, one of his shifts began in the defensive end. Everything else was in the O-zone. And clearly that was Sheldon Keefe wanting to get this guy going and putting him in favorable positions for that to happen. Start in the O-zone, and then once you're in there, win the face-off, and then you've established possession. Hopefully you guys, you know, that top line can have uh, have themselves a night, and, and obviously they did. Yeah, no, and it was it's it's important to get – they haven't really had like top the to bomb everyone going at the same time. It's almost like Willie's been good, that Marner's been good. Was was that maybe their most complete game? Like I think so. Like they've they've yet to have a 60 minute performance. But when you yeah. look at you know lines one through four, I thought defensively they were okay. You know, it wasn't special, but for what that blue line is right now, I thought that they probably punched a little above their weight. I mean, this is a good Boston Bruins team and, you know, you limited them as much as you possibly could. Um, and then obviously the goaltending. So I think you look at it, they scored a power play goal as well. Um, I think this might've been maybe the most complete game that they've played this season, despite it being a loss still, I think a quality, quality outing. Yeah, no, and I think honestly, not just the more maybe a closer, the more complete game, the most competitive game I've seen them play. Like you didn't see shifts where guys look disengaged from the moment they were on the ice. They they competed, they pushed. Boston, it it was not that was not an easy game for Boston. Like you, no. yeah, the goal, uh, the second was it the the goal the that Bosnak passed it to. Who was it that he passed it to? I'm, I'm oh, the, the second goal. The second yeah. goal. Pasta second. scored the first one. And the third one was the one that like Wall nope. thought he had and, and dropped yeah. it. Yeah, it was the second goal where, yeah, like the defensively guy got missed and goes in for a chance. But other than that, like the Leafs were engaged. They were on top of the Bruins. They didn't give them much space. A good a lot of end-to-end action too. Like but they were on. They were competitive from start to finish. That's why it was unfortunate they didn't win. Because I thought, yeah, it was one of their better performances from start to finish in yeah. this in that game. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at the underlying numbers, and uh, it's not usual that they come out ahead uh, in most periods. But you know, you look at it. Period one, eighty-five percent expected goals. Period. Actually, let me let me filter it by uh, all situations. So we're not just doing five on five, but. Still, uh, all situations came out 69% of the minutes. They won 64% of the minutes in the second period. And then it was kind of even 46% of the minutes in the third period when Boston kind of, you know, wouldn't even say poured it on, but they played a little bit better in that third. Uh, but regardless, they they were able to, to, to get a point, put together a full game, we'll say, a complete game. And uh, again, don't finish it off, but an encouraging victory against a pretty solid team in the Boston Bruins. 
Um, all right, let's take a break. Let's come back. Let's do our, our the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, as we do after every Leafs loss. We'll do that. And there was some, uh, it was a bit of an update on the Leafs pursuit of Nikita Zadorov, courtesy of Elliot Friedman. We'll tell you what he had to say. And uh, we may have another trade proposal segment that we might do as well. Uh, one in which we'd love for you guys to get in on it down in the comment section below. So we'll do that when we return. But first, let me tell you all about one of today's show sponsor. It's our good friends over at Sleeper. A new NHL season brings all sorts of possibilities. Matthews could score 50 goals. The Leafs could hoist the Stanley Cup. And you could win big by playing daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper, the official daily fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey. Because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey. Contest. All you have to do is pick whether studs like Matthews or Marner or McKinnon, Crosby, whoever will record more or less to their sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves, plus minus, and more in any given game. To, 100, to win 100 times your bet on sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. So whether you think possibly Mitch Marner is going to go over a shot total of two and a half, or you think Austin Matthews is going to score more than half a goal, go ahead and make those two of your plays over on Sleeper. You hear me, Lee fans? You can win 100 times your money by playing daily fantasy hockey with Sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. Use the promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs podcast. It's Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti. We are hosts here at the Locked On Leafs podcast. We are a daily Maple Leafs-centric podcast with shows each weekday, Monday through Friday. You can find our pods wherever you get them. Also up on YouTube as well. We'd ask if you are new to the show, if you're enjoying it so far, that you would subscribe. And then you can obviously listen to us uh, daily, wherever you do get your pods from. And, uh, well, if you're an everydayer and you're here, once again, as per usual, thank you so much. Shout out. We do love the everydayers here at the Locked On Lease podcast. Uh, reacting to Toronto, dropping one, a close one to the Boston Bruins, 4-3 to three in overtime. As we do, Dave, on every single loss, we go through the good, the bad, and the ugly from the game. Let's start off with the positives, though. What was good about this game? And then and there's, there's quite a bit, quite a yeah. bit that was good. It's tough to pick just one, but I thought Austin Matthews getting yeah. back on track was the one for me. Yeah. It would have been easy to say Joseph Wall was good, but he's been good. We've given him a couple of goods this week. I think Austin Matthews definitely deserves a good because he, uh, he need like they needed him to come up and for him to come up against play a good like this against the Bruins, I think was important. Um, so yeah, one of his better performances, I think, in a really long time. Yeah, I thought he was great. You know, not good, but great. And uh, even after the game, Sheldon Keefe was asked, you know, how we thought Austin Matthews played, busted out of that uh, out of that slump where he'd gone four in a row and just won his last nine games, I think it was. And even Sheldon Keefe said he was a beast tonight. And uh, absolutely he was. Like we said previously, 83% expected goals tonight. Outchance in the Bruins, 17-4. to four, Went out there on the ice, 9-1 to one in high danger chances. So, uh, and obviously scored himself a couple of goals while he was at it. 12 shot attempts, seven on goal. Uh, yeah, he was he was a beast. Sheldon Keefe was right. Um, 
you know, I had Austin Matthews here, but I also do want to highlight uh, how about Max Domi with his first goal as a Toronto Maple Leafs in this game. And a really nice play, too. Like the full breakout, a little tic-tac-toe, yarn crock to Robertson. Nice little sauce over the defender right to Domi who comes in. Makes a little stick play to, to maybe freeze Allmark, made him go down, and then he pulls it to the backhand and shelves it. I thought it was just a, a really great play all around. A real solid selly from Max Domi. So a uh, shout-out to that third line, continuing to provide some secondary offense. And uh, definitely a feel-good good moment for Domi to get his first and to get that at Scotiabank Arena also. 6,454 days between Ty Domi's last goal with the Leafs and Max Domi's first goal. Look at that. You were ready for that stat. You I was ready, ready to that throw one. that out. Shout out SN Stats, our sports and stats department there. I bug them all the time for certain stats on things and the fact that they knew that stat or were able to figure that stat out is crazy. That's not that. I mean, you just go yeah. back and look at Domi's last goal. You just say, day since this date. <laughs> but they were, like, ready for it. That's like, It took me a little while to figure that one out. Math, you know. Um, I, but I think, yeah, you saw the passion with that goal. Google it, Dave. Literally, it, it was probably, like, April... On April 1st, 2006. There you go. And you go to Google and you say days since April 1st, 2006, and you have your answer. It's pretty simple. Well, thanks, Mike, <laughs> for making me feel like an idiot now. Um, hey, that's on you, pal. Continue. But I do, like, I do think I, I did not think Max Stone was going to go this long without scoring goal. Yeah. Um, but the chemistry between him and Robertson is unreal right now. Like, the, to have those two guys that are able to just have have the other team be on their heels because they can break the puck out so quickly, right? Jump on on the defense so quickly there. That's a dynamic that I don't think the other two lines really have. And that's what makes this third line so good is yes. they can do it in a different way. And, Dangerous off the rush. Right. And and I know they're like they're good at cycling too because their speed. They, you know, the other team thinks they got an out, but here's Robertson or Domi right on top of them, right? Like that speed element, that's what that third line brings. You know, Cal Yarncroke is that steady defensive presence there. And I think that's that's a good complement to what you have in the top six. And I think that's, you know, let's see how long they can keep that going for because I think it's really important that they continue to, uh, to bring the offense, uh, you know, they they got off to a really good start. Robertson's been able to pitch in with goals here and there, but I think this, now that Domi scored, you know, you get that one goal, you get that first goal, usually kind of opens the floodgates, and I hope that's going to be the case for Domi because we know he's capable of scoring 20. Now maybe 20 is a little bit tougher when you're not getting the prime offensive opportunities and power play time, but I think this is still a guy that can get up to that 15 goals even after his slow start. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, even if he only scores like 15 to 18, if, if you're getting 15 to 18 as a, you know, as a third liner, you know, at five on five, 15, five on five goals from a third line, uh, you'll take that. You'll take that from a guy like, like Max Domi uh, for sure. Uh, and that line finishing again, winning their minutes, they won 52 
50% of their minutes, uh, 8-21, they played together, winning 52% of them. So, you know, again, and that's a pretty deep squad out in Boston. They they do consider themselves, you know, a team that wins with depth. So for your third line to, to win their minutes is definitely a good thing out of Toronto. All right, what was bad about the loss to the Boston Bruins? What was bad? Um, the unlucky breaks that the Leafs got in this game. Like I think the Jules, the the third goal, that that was that that was the bad for me was was yeah. that third goal there from Joe Wall. Thought that he had it gloved, turns out it didn't. It was chilling yeah. down, uh, right literally right him. in front of him, and and uh, you know Travis Frederick just pokes it into the net, pretty much. And it's not the first time I've seen a goalie do that, where they like, yep, I got it. Nope, don't got it, <laughs> and then it ends up in the net. I, I just thought it was unfortunate because I thought he was playing such a good game yeah. up until that point. Like the goals he allowed, right? The Pasternak shot was like not many goaltenders are stopping that. The other one, you know, guy gets Shatton left. Kirk. It was Shattenkirk, by the way. Yes, Shat. Yeah, it was hard to remember the defenseman scoring a goal like that. Yeah. But you know, defenseman getting open for for a chance like that, that was a tough one there. And I'm, I mean, the good thing is that the least, you know. They the Leafs, you know, Joseph Wall earned some you know, the ability to get bailed out because it hasn't really had that chance. Like this, is like the first time I really felt like the team had to bail out the goal Joseph Wall in a situation like that. So that's why, like, it it was a tough one. He rebounded nicely from it, and the team rallied behind him, which I think was nice. Um, Joe, let's just make sure you feel for the puck next time. I know it's yeah. in the moment it's tough, but let's make sure we have have that in the trapper yeah yeah for sure uh what was ugly oh that ot that ot goal the turn i have a few issues with that ot goal and i was seething go seething. off go off my bald king eight sec 10 seconds left in the game in overtime and you are making a line change yeah you are making a line change with 10 seconds and this isn't the first time the leafs have failed to execute a line change with that much time left in the game. The other time they took a penalty that went into overtime and it could have cost them a game in overtime. There was that one. Also, when you are making a line change, maybe don't skate the puck into a, you know, into your zone. Yeah. Middle of the ice with no support behind you. I just didn't like how lax the days that play was. Oh, and you give up the puck and you just leave Morgan Raleigh to be the only guy to defend the play. And Joseph Wall apparently has to clone himself to even have a chance to stop Brad Marchand. Like for for Nylander and Tavares, I really hope Sheldon Keith laid into them after the game because that was inexcusable what happened there. Yeah, it was a tough one, man, and and it's it's unfortunate that that's how it how it had to end because again the Leafs did play a pretty solid game uh, to up to that point, and you know we're we're you know protective I guess of of the puck a little bit, um, and Boston well they had, they only had five takeaways in the game, so it's not like you know this was a, a thing that they were doing all game long, but yeah, a little bit of a, a toe pick or something on, on some ice and William Nylander takes a spill and in goes Pasternak and Brad Marchand, of course, following up, uh, getting the game winner in overtime. Yeah, that was, that was the ugly, that play right there. Um, could have, could have ended it earlier. 
uh, in, in overtime a couple of times. Matthews had a really good opportunity to, to end the game in OT, but, uh, you know, unable to do so. And all it takes sometimes is, is one bad play or someone loses a, loses their footing on the ice and you get odd man rush the other way. And uh, those are tough to stop when you're playing three on three. Uh, so I'm with you. That was definitely the ugly in the game. All right. Uh, on the other side, Dave, um, there was a, a bit of an update from Elliot Friedman regarding how much Toronto was pursuing Nikita Zadorov, and maybe there is still some work that could be done with the Leafs and the Calgary Flames. We'll chat about it. We'll come up with a trade proposal each, so we'll do that next. But first, have a word from today's show sponsor. Yep, today's show is brought to you by uh, Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent with Indeed suite of hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. Hate waiting? Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Candidates invite you invite to apply through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who will only see it in search, according to U.S. Indeed data. Indeed does all the hard work for you. Sponsor job and boom, Instant Match shows you candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately after you post. With Instant Match, you can start hiring fast. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Visit Indeed.com slash locked on to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash locked on. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application. Pricing not available for everyone. Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs podcast. It's Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti. You can find us wherever you download your podcasts at. Also up on YouTube, we do have new shows that come out each and every weekday. That's five new shows each week. And uh, I would recommend if you're a Leafs diehard, you want to be locked into what's going on here at Locked On Leafs. Uh, I was locked into the intermission reports on Saturday night. And uh, during Saturday headlines, Elliot Friedman says Toronto and Calgary did engage for talks for Nikita Zadorov. Uh, we obviously know that it didn't come to fruition as Zadorov was traded to the Vancouver Canucks last week for a third and a fifth. Also, uh, well, he was originally credited because they played each other Saturday night too. And he was originally credited with the game-winning goal, but then I think they ended up giving it to, to Pedersen, but got an assist on the game-winning goal. Uh, it was, an, it was uh, an empty netter, so it's not like it was a great play. But regardless, Zadorov first point as a Canuck uh, it was against the Flames. Uh, but Elliot Friedman did say that they engaged in talks, but it was for Zadorov and Tanev, but they couldn't find a way to figure out the retained salary portion to make the deal work. Um, what did you make of that, Dave? Do you wish they did make that work? Like, what do you think was the situation here? Yeah, because I, I listened to Craig Conroy. He in, did an interview with Flamestock Radio like hours after the deal closed. And he made it known that he wanted to keep the 
he didn't want to use up the retained salary spot. Um, like he wanted to leave that option open because you could you only get three. You know, this is a t- Flames team that could be making more moves down the line depending on how things go, and they can't retain on certain transactions. It makes it tougher. Getting a third team involved is always, you know, tricky, especially if that third team wants a lot of compensation for whatever salary gets brought back. It's it's become a lot easier to get done now. We've seen teams be a little more flexible with it. But with the, in the Leafs case, like it makes a lot of sense why they were trying to get it retained. I We just don't know if they were trying to get both retained or if one of them I, were I trying think, to get retained. I think it was to get both retained. So yeah. I think they wanted Calgary to use up both of their retention spots. Um, Which is a tough to ask make- one. In one trade well, to do that? Not really. I mean, both of them were UFA, so it'd only be for this year. So yeah. do you have, and like as of now, they have zero retention spots used. Yeah. So they can retain three contracts this year. Do they have another two players in mind that they plan on retaining past this season or anyone else they plan on retaining? Like maybe Elias Lindholm could be a retention. Uh, he's a UFA. If they don't get anything done with him, I guess, you know, he would be a, a pretty penny to acquire but then again if if calgary retains i'm sure that they would get uh, a boatload for as a return for him but outside of that i mean i'm not really sure who else they would need to retain money on if they planned on trading to keep those spots open and alive like i don't maybe hannafin i guess like i yeah i suppose that could be it now they want to you could retain on tanev hannafin and possibly Elias Lindholm if you trade all three of those, but uh, that would be the only only way I, I suppose. Like I, I thought, Calgary did themselves a disservice by not retaining salary because you always get a better return when you retain salary. Like people say, oh, they got next to nothing for Zadorov. Well, actually, they didn't get next to nothing. They got something considering his salary. How many teams can afford a guy making close to four million to be? a bottom pairing defenseman yeah not not many teams which is and that's yeah, the, your point. and that's the case at least find themselves in right they they'll pay they just can't afford that with Zadorov and and tanev four and a half they can't that afford makes, that for tanev either four and a half yeah, for tanev unfortunately not right and so that's that's the position at least find themselves in now i think if they do potentially get a tanev trade done i think salary retention is going to have to be a part of it i know that 100%. they have clay Klingberg's salary you know, could most likely will most likely be off the books, but it doesn't you can't use all that on one player. I think the Leafs want that flexibility, they want to keep that flexibility, they want to have a full roster. That, that the other that's the other part of it too, is the Leafs ha- are now at the benefit of having a 23-man roster. They could call up Martin Jones when Samsonov is feeling ill and can't. And can't be the backup. They can have oh, that knee bug. What had an e bug situation? Dave. That was close. Cool. Yeah, if, if Klingberg's salary, if Klingberg's playing, the Leafs are like that's a tough situation for the Leafs. There, they probably would have had to do an e bug. So, I think they like that flexibility. I think they also might look at making other moves. And ten of well, that's yeah. Player. Honestly, I feel like that would be that's more so why not, not for the flexibility, but it allows them to make another move down the road to further add to this group. Um, Cause I don't think they're just one piece away. I think they are a couple pieces away uh, specifically on the back end. So I think, yes, you, if you're making a move for Tanev and apparently there's still a possibility that the Leafs could 
you know, pursue Tanev um, individually as opposed to bring him in as a pair. So this there still is an opportunity here for the Maple Leafs to bring him in. And do look, we did our Black Friday shopping list, and he was my number one guy who mm-hmm. I wanted to bring in as a trade option. So I do hope that they are still continuing conversations and still try and get something done. But there's no question that in order for Toronto to, to make this happen and Calgary to make this happen, um, they are going to have to retain money on that. Like they're 100% going to have to retain. Uh, so maybe because they wanted to move out Zadorov knowing, well, he's going to get us the lowest return anyways of our pending UFAs. We'll see if someone's willing to take this on uh, at, at, at full cap. And then we can look at Tanev, Lindholm, and Hannafin and potentially retain on those guys and get, you know, even better returns for those. So now that I'm kind of thinking about it, I suppose it makes sense to, you know, let Zadorov go. If that is the plan, if they do end up moving all three of those pending UFAs, then it does make sense for, uh, for the, the Calgary flames. That being said, Dave, um, why don't we look at what a trade for Chris Tanev could potentially look like, for the Maple Leafs. So if you are Brad Tree Living, what is your offer to his former club, to Craig Conroy, to try and pry Tan of Calgary? Yeah, I've I've been wrestling with this ever since you asked me to kind of come up with a trade proposal. I because what I think is one thing is not usually what teams want to go for. So I look back, I think a month a few weeks ago on on a Canucks talk show. There was talks about you know the Canucks being involved potentially in a, in a Tanev trade, and that Conroy was looking to get more than just picks potentially mm-hmm. for Tanev. Like he said that they're looking, and I, I know I know that he wants to give younger guys opportunities with this Flames team. I think he wants a player that's either NHL ready or close to being NHL ready in a Tanev return, and maybe he'll take less on a pick because he's a rental. Rentals, unless the Leafs do assign a, a trade where they know they're going to sign Tanev, and I don't know how the Flames would navigate that considering he is a, a pending UFA, I think that impacts the return. Like when they traded to Foley to the Devils, they got Sharon, uh, uh, how do you Sharon, say? Sharon Govich. Sharon Govich, thank you, Mike, and a third round pick. It's not a great return technically for Toffoli, although he has been, the you know, Sharon, Sharon Govich has been playing a lot over 20 minutes a night. He's not doing terribly. Toffoli is doing not bad for the Devils. So for me, I think a third round pick could be in play here. And then if you want to get someone with a little more NHL ready, I guarantee the Flames are going to ask for Nick Robertson. And are you willing to give up Nick Robertson? Only if I'm confident the Leafs can get a contract worked out for Tanev, mm. I can't do Nick Robertson and a pick if I'm only getting Tanev as a rental. If Tanev is only as a rental, unfortunately, the Leafs don't have a second round pick, but I would try to mm. offer up a second round pick. Yeah, that's that's important to know too. The Leafs don't have a second round pick for the next three years. Um, so it's either a first or a third, I guess, is, is what they have to offer. Or I can't see them trading a first, unfortunately. Top prospects. Um, I I think they might have to, though. 
to get a guy like Chris Tanev, and and especially if you're getting Tanev at 50%, because that's what they had to give up to get Jake McCabe last year. Right. Granted, McCabe did have a couple of years of uh, you know left on his deal. I kind of look at this trade. Uh, I was looking to see if I could find a comparable for this deal, and the one that I found, you let me know if you think this is similar, is Josh Manson when he got traded from Anaheim to Colorado and, you know, played some top four shutdown minutes for them and went on to, to win a cup and did go on to re-sign in Colorado. And he's, you know, forming a, a pretty solid tandem out there with Kel McCarr or with uh, just while well, he's in the top four. Um, so that trade was a second round pick and Drew Hellison. Drew Hellison at the time was the eighth ranked prospect, according to uh, who's listed. Look, I think I look at Scott Wheeler's list of prospects going into that season. So he was their eighth ranked prospect and a second round pick. Now that was at full cap hit for Josh Manson. Mm -hmm. uh, if I do, I believe uh, actually, let me, let me look into that actually. Cause maybe that was, can you look into that quickly to see if that was for the full cap or if there was salary retention on that trade. 50% uh, of uh, 50% of the salary was retained. So 50% of the salary was retained. Okay. So that would be similar, literally almost the exact same thing as Chris Tanev. So we're looking for this. So, you know, if the comp there was a second in Drew Hellison, who at the time, 20 year old prospect, he'd been two years removed to being a second round pick, you know, still some, you know, hope for him to turn into like a third pair guy, right? So that that is what the return was for Josh Manson, and maybe that's a similar return for Chris Tanev. The problem is the Leafs don't have a second-round pick, and that's where I think they might have to spend up and might cost him a first. I think it's possible they could cost him a first-round pick to get Tanev at 50%, but... Maybe they don't have to give up one of their top tier prospects and they can give up like a Nick Abruzzese who does have ties with their top prospect, Matt Coronado. They played together when they were at Harvard University. So I think there's a possibility that there could be some interest in Abruzzese um, and you give up a first round pick, but you're getting Chris Tanev at 50%. And to your point, yeah, you hope you can try and figure out some sort of extension with Tanev and bring him in. Uh, sign him to like a two, three year extension possibly. Um, but I, I don't know if a third gets it done and I don't know if I'm willing to give up Nick Robertson in the deal, I, given how well he's playing. And that's the only, and if you're not giving up Nick Robertson, then you're going to have to give up a, a better draft pick and they don't have a second. So they kind of are screwed and have to give up a first. This is where I'm okay doing the first. If Tanev is sticking around. That's why I like the Jake. You can't, you can't necessarily. I mean, I guess if they give them per, give them permission to to speak with Tanev, but I, I, I do know. wonder if that's a part of it as well. Why the deal didn't potentially work out? Maybe the Flames were well. Apparently, they they couldn't even figure out the retained salary, so I don't even think they got to a point where they were speaking with Tanev because the Flames didn't seem eager to retain on both players. So I don't think they got got to that point. And I think Nick Kiprios made a good point when he said like. The Flames don't probably don't want to do Bradshaw living any favors, right? Well, yeah, like they, they'll yes, trade Tanev to the Leafs. They don't no. do favors. I don't think it's a favor to give him a first round pick, though. That's not a favor. I'm that's, talking that's, about like giving them a, like if he wants to talk to the agent. 
Oh, gotcha. gotcha. I don't think the Flames are gonna. I think I don't think. Yeah, go ahead, Brad. We have no problem with that. No, well, why think... not? If 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 to your point, you're willing to give up, and Brad, I'm sure Trillaby would be in the same position. He'd be willing to give up more in return if he does get that permission, yeah. though. So it's like doing. It it also helps Calgary get a better return. That's true, and and, and to me, I think te- like when when Ottawa traded Mark Stone to Vegas, I don't yeah. know if they get that same return. I know it wasn't the. Well, they, they didn't really. Get it a didn't exactly work out the way I think. Yeah, at the, I I remember at the time when I was like, oh, that's all you got when you signed that deal. Yeah, tough. Right. It, it, I think you have to you have to get a chance to do to get that uh, a contract extension done, and you don't think Brad Living potentially knows like he knows this player very well, and he knows what he could potentially get in a contract with Tanov. Like I think that's something you know he probably was thinking about when he was with the Flames, right? Mm-hmm. What's going to cost to keep Tanov around? And he's older too, so like this isn't where you're going to sign up for. Well, that is time. that is the slight concern. If you look mm-hmm. at this and you're like, okay, we want to extend him as well. It's like mm, he's 33 years old. I don't know how long you want to extend him realistically. Like for a year or two, okay. But if you're gonna bring him in and then give him like a four year deal, that's mm-hmm. where it does get dicey. Like that's I don't know if you want to do that. Is he? Well, but is he willing to sign a two year deal? Might he get better money? if he waits it out and then goes somewhere for free agency where there's a bidding process and he, he gets an extra year and makes an extra 4 million, you know, on the, on the salary. So uh, it's, I don't know if he's a guy who'd be willing to, to take a deal. Then again, he's a Toronto guy. So maybe he does want to play in his hometown for the first time ever. Yeah. I, that's why I think if you're going to make this trade, you do what you can to make sure you get, you get a sense of what Tanev is looking for in his contract because to, to do it first and, you know, it, and whatever else you want to add to it, it's going to be tough when you, when he, if he were to leave in free agency and you don't really have much to show for it, unless it all leads to a Stanley cup. But unfortunately hasn't really worked out well for the Leafs the last, how many years, Mike, that they've done this uh, a lot. Uh, again, math, not my forte, but, whatever how many years it's been since 1967 so go mm. to google and type how many years since 1967 and you'll get your answer dave <laughs> thanks mike <laughs> <laughs> all right uh let us know you know your trade proposals down below um or let us know on twitter let's post these proposals on twitter as well and and you know hopefully you guys can have some fun interact because I'm, I'm curious to see what you guys think of our proposals and uh, if y'all could whip up something that you think would be a worthy price to pay to bring in Chris Tanev. Uh, that'll do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcast platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on X at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti and follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. Go ahead. Leave a like if you enjoyed this video slash uh, podcast. Comment down below if you're here on YouTube as well. And subscribe, as always. And write a review as well. If you're listening on iTunes, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. If you could write us a little review, five stars, that'd be greatly appreciated as well. Really does help uh, push the show and the algorithms and help us grow. Uh, we'll be back with another episode for you guys tomorrow. But until then, keep locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.